0: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of ONTAP, where we talk about the ins and outs of economic, political, social, current affairs, and predictions toward the future. We've decided to look at a couple of themes related to a democratization, the grassroots movement, and essentially bottom-up Disruption similar to um, well, the podcast we've done before on Bitcoin. I'm here as always with Joachim Marnitz. Hi, Joe. Hello there. Um, and looking forward to us talking about specifically this time financial bottom up disruption, the game stop changer. Um, so, yes, yeah, story of the last weeks, controversial, interesting, and tied to well, some people would say a lot of democratic hope, but it's really controversial even to use that word uh, as you will be telling us, John. So what's the deal with GameStop? What happened there?
1: Um, okay, so the GameStop story is essentially the story of a few hedge funds, especially Melvin Capital, which will be important in this story, uh, shorting a stock named GameStop. and GameStop is essentially a well, it was a seemingly failing brick and mortar, mortar console video game joint. Um, so essentially, the idea here is that they're running on an, on an outdated business model, and so Melvin Capital and a few others thought that it's worth shorting it. Um, now, a few users on, on a subreddit called uh, Wall Street Bets. So it's a reddit reddit has a few subreddits, and one of them is Wall Street bets. They figured out that essentially gamestop was undervalued if you look at certain factors such as cash cash on hand so while so they disagreed with the notion that they that they should be shorted and rather they thought they should actually be bought and um Further research into all of that on on their part showed that the stock appeared to be overshorted. So that means the the hedge funds were short more stocks than they were actually in fact, than were in fact available to trade, which is called the float. And this always gives you an opportunity to attempt a short squeeze, which basically, usually this is something that only hedge funds do. So what you do in a short squeeze is essentially you 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 buy up stock, and therefore you you put the people who are short your stock in a bad position because uh, they have to buy back the stock at some later point in time, and the higher the price, the bigger the loss. Because I mean, originally the idea is of course to make money, but they only make money if the price goes down. If it goes up, they lo- tend to lose a lot of money.
0: And, and so. it's it's quite it's quite rare, I understand, because it's also very difficult to to implement. Yeah, it's
1: very very difficult to execute. That's that's the main problem here, but it can be really profitable, of course, if if it happens. So the thing is that that can occur if if there is a lot of people buying the stock that is shorted, uh, that forces the short sellers at some point when when they're short when when the contracts become due, it forces them to buy the stock at any price. So that's called a margin call at mm-hmm. some point that can happen and then they have just have to buy it because they need to deliver their shares and then in theory the the price can go up to infinity so
0: that's really cornering them huh
1: yeah exactly Uh it's it's a way of cornering the market so it was quite clever to figure that out on on behalf of that subreddit and uh, well what happened is that the price actually shot up shot up quite dramatically in the last few days of january uh roughly into the $400 range where it, and, and just to give some perspective it started out at something like $14 when it was when it was heavily shorted so yeah a huge price jump and of course you can argue that was not the true value of the stock at the time but uh yeah people overlook that the true value of the stock in that moment is determined by other factors because there's a short squeeze going on
0: yeah but, and just and just to to clarify quickly, so also if you start having to sell it to buy back the stock, that also increases the price in itself, correct? So of course,
1: why... because it's it's more people buying the stock, that's why why it's mm-hmm. sort of the price runs away from you. And that's that's what a short squeeze. Base, basic is.
0: economics with uh, with demand with more uh, the price goes higher. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, but that's of course when when some funny stuff started happening. Um, Um, Which sort of feeds into the bottom up and and top down narrative that we're trying to explore here. Um, Just as the squeeze pressure was tightening, um, there were the the most important uh, trading app, which is called Robinhood, uh, suspended trading on GME, on the stock, um, and then actually restricted buying to, to only, so each person could only buy. A few shares at a time, like some people could only buy two shares, which was laughably, uh, laughably small amount. And yeah, in the end, sort of the whole short squeeze seems to have fizzled out as a result, um, because uh, then the price started dropping again. Now, the Robinhood uh, app is is an important thing because it's uh, it's very it was very popular because because it's very cheap, so it doesn't really charge you anything for using it. And hence it became really popular for retail traders like the folks on, on, on Reddit.
0: Sorry, retail traders, just very quickly?
1: Retail traders are people like you and me, not just normal folks who buy stock.
0: Well, be... Okay, well, well, this all very sounds very much like the TV show Billions. Uh, as, a, as you know, one of uh, our favorite shows, yours and mine. Um, any comments well, for that? Do
1: I have a story for you there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, as I mentioned, most of the shorting, most of the shorting was done by Melvin Capital, and because they essentially got royally screwed by by the by the initial action already by the jump to the first few hundred dollars, and so they had to be bailed out actually. And now one of the Hedge funds. There was, I think, a couple of them that that lent them some money. So essentially, building them out, even though they later said it was an investment. Um, they, the, one of them was point seventy two Asset Management, and this this one belongs to a certain Steve Cohen. And, well, uh, Steve Cohen is is strongly rumored to be the to be the guy that Axelrod out of billions is modeled on, essentially.
0: <laughs>
1: so. That's your connection to to the real world with billions.
0: I would say interesting fact of the day that there are about a, a hundred interesting facts in there. <laughs> yeah,
1: a lot of a lot of things in his biography line up pretty neatly with what happens in billions. Mm-hmm. So it's quite interesting to look into, but of course that's a that's a sidebar. Right. Um, so the thing is with the Robin Hood app is yeah, basically it, it killed the whole momentum and then the price started dropping again. Uh-huh. And it sort of dropped and dropped and dropped over the days and months. Because, I mean, if, of course it, it kills this whole crowdfunded narrative, uh, not narrative, the whole crowdfunded effort because it's it's it kind of relies on people keeping up the pressure. And then as people see their money evaporate, that they just recently gained, they they tried to sell the a lot of them at least try to sell the stock, of course. Uh, and, and that's the thing. I mean, what was restricted was only the buying was restricted, not the selling. So that was a bit fishy. Yeah,
0: that, right that sounded. But they, they did get a lot of criticism for it. And it is. Uh, is 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 it is it true to say that they are no longer a viable economic actor?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's 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 two things here that I would like to answer to. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they probably ruined their whole business, I think. I mean, but the thing is, it's a bit unfair to say that, that they ruined their business on purpose or something like that, because uh, essentially, I think they were, at the end of the day, they were forced to do what they had to do because they simply, the thing is, they they didn't have enough collateral essentially to to finance all of this. I mean, the thing is their business model wasn't meant to to accommodate a a short squeeze like that. And all of a sudden, their whole risk profile went up probably tenfold or something like that, and essentially meaning they they needed a lot more capital than they actually had. So since they couldn't provide it, uh, yeah, since they couldn't provide it, they essentially were forced to restrict buying because Hmm. of that.
0: Interesting. So let's have a closer look at the fallout. What is the role of, of Robin Hood, essentially?
1: Well, I mean, the thing is with Robin Hood that it, there's a few problems with them that's, that sort of came to the forefront when all of this was happening as people were enraged about the situation. Um, so one thing that happened is that they're... Uh, I mentioned there were two hedge funds that bailed out Melvin Capital. Point seventy-two being one of them. The other one is actually called Citadel, Citadel LLC. So that that hedge fund has a direct uh, had a direct interest in the whole story. And now it turns out that uh, they they have a subsidiary company called Citadel Securities. And as it turns out, that uh, subsidiary actually um, it buys data from Robinhood, and that as of June two thousand twenty, that made up more than thirty five percent of their of Robinhood's trading revenues. So you can so can <laughs> you can at least see how some people might think the game might be rigged here. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't help the situation. There was even more. I mean, uh, luckily that never came, n- never became a factor. But actually, the the whole GameStop situation. It, at that point, evolved to a point where the Biden administration was saying they were monitoring it. And now, of course, that's where a certain Janet Yellen, the Secretary of Treasury, would would have been the focus of all of this and advising Biden. And the problem here is that she, in the past, has accepted more than 800,000 in speaking fees from exactly the Citadel hedge fund so you can you can see how there is an obvious conflict of interest and in how they just opened themselves up for lines of attack and and how even if, if ultimately i think robin hood's problems were real and not manufactured uh but yeah i mean you can but things like that just make you make you think right so luckily it didn't come to any of that eventually as that Young did not play a factor but but you can see how people think the game is rigged.
0: No, absolutely. Um, and y- you and I, we were thinking about looking at two two narratives. Uh, one, the grassroots, one, the institutional. Do um, you want to give us a, a bit of an idea about what you meant with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've sort of lined out a bit of the, the grassroots narrative would be that, yeah, the little guy gets screwed over by the big guy, essentially, and doesn't have to pay for the consequences and gets protected more, more than anything else, which also became apparent in the way that, uh, for example, the media is initially at least covered the story, mostly this being CNBC, uh, their business network, um, because they what they said, uh, and that's sort of representative for the institutional narrative that was also pushed by, by a few of the hedge fund managers, is that Wall Street Bets attempted market manipulation and engaged in insider trading, and that The whole thing is a danger for the economy and that it basically that uh, unsophisticated investors, as they call it, uh, yeah, would be would be basically endangering themselves as well. Now, to sort of dissect that narrative, there's a few I think there is a valid point in there and there is some, well, not really dumb points, but, you know, uh, fishy points, you could say. So, first of all, insider trading seems ludicrous to me because they were, I mean, yeah, they were engaging in, I wouldn't call it market manipulation. At least they were not doing anything else than a hedge fund would be doing. Um, but if anything, then this would be outsider trading because they were just discussing it on a public internet forum. So, I mean, how how more transparent can you get? Um. yeah. I don't agree that it was market manipulation. Now, what people have to know in this regard that that hedge funds actually um, they they have uh, so-called wine dinners in the Hamptons, which is the fancy part of, of as it's on Long Island and close to New York. It's a pretty nice, nice rural area actually. So where where a lot of rich people live, and they often have wine dinners there where they discuss. Uh, uh, yeah, basically discuss what stocks to buy. So if that is legal, then what Reddit did should not be illegal, I think. (laughs) Um, Especially because they're also dealing, the the Reddit crowd are actually dealing with sort of a prisoner's dilemma problem here, which I outlined earlier, that if if the price drops, then it might be uh, individually, you might think it's better to sell now, even though it's in everyone's best interest not to sell. But yeah. So it's actually more difficult for them to to orchestrate anything, whereas it's quite easy with a few people in a in, during the course of a winder, I would argue. Now, the the other argument was danger for the economy, and I think that was indeed or is indeed maybe still the case because you can argue who is responsible for that, but uh, an event like this can act as a catalyst uh, that causes a liquidity crunch and suddenly the money has to rush someplace and it's essentially missing somewhere else. And out of all of that, a huge, a huge economic crisis can, can occur essentially. But I mean, it, it didn't play out that way. So it's, it's sort of a moot point, but it's actually true that it could happen, but then I would also argue it's not necessary. The, the little guy's fault in that case, but it's rather because uh, generally markets are tolerating how, how hedge funds behave.
0: I, I gotta ask. I, 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 I gotta ask, though, be, before you go on, because I'm sure this is stuck in everybody's mind, just like mine. Ignoring everything else that you said, have you been to the Hamptons? Yes, I have. Been you to have that. been to the Hamptons. Okay, great. <laughs>
1: I'll this have to. was actually, in, yeah, that was pretty much exactly when Fukushima was going on. That's when I went.
0: To the <laughs> <laughs> a, did you remember it because you were at the Hamptons, or because of Fukushima? No,
1: the Hamptons was really nice, but uh, there was two events happening at that time that were really stuck in my memory, and the, one was Fukushima, and the other one was uh, they were just invading Libya at the time.
0: All right, yeah. okay. <laughs> Whilst everyone was <laughs> sipping wine at the Hamptons, including you, that's what's happening in the world. Great to. Know I you, was great.
1: sipping a margarita, but oh, yeah,
0: even better. Otherwise,
1: even better. correct.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just had to ask. I was very curious, uh, but also I uh, was was, uh, was super curious about the uh, the prisoners dilemma comment that you made. Um, Sorry that I'm jumping back a little bit because you were talking about the future for the economy. But uh, this is is something a lot of publications have been crying foul about. And I'm sure we're going to go into that a little bit more later uh, in terms of the fallout it has. But there are a lot of publications, probably also those that are a bit closer to the traditional financial institutions or what one would maybe call the institutional narrative, that hedge funds were cornered, unfairly cornered. Uh, not asking about your opinion, but doesn't, uh, but more about your knowledge uh, rather than, as I said, your opinion or your perspective. But doesn't that, isn't that the same argument that people would use against uh, a hedge fund? Don't they feel cornered when, um, I mean, legally or illegally, um, prices are driven down?
1: does who feel cornered would be the question here
0: no no um well the the companies which are being shorted
1: yeah i mean sure i mean it, it is a business practice to to sort of uh, drive their price down and then scoop them up on the cheap and then make money both ways on the way up uh, on the way down and on the way up mm-hmm. so yeah
0: hedging your bet i mean
1: yeah. yeah in the end i would say this is just a healthy market correction because they're the thing is, the hedge funds are, I mean, I think they, they've they gotten used to, to being able to do this basically at will with no opposition, and, and they overplayed their hand there, and then some clever people on Reddit figured out that you can actually exploit that situation financially. So, to me, that speaks to a healthy market, if you ask me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting.
1: I mean, it's nothing else that hedge funds do. Between, it's a game that hedge funds play among themselves as well mm-hmm. sometimes, so...
0: I see. Yeah. All right. And so you don't really see as much the danger for the economy?
1: I mean, it could have caused the danger for the economy, but that's basically because the safeguards that are in place are just insufficient or it's just over-leveraged economy, essentially. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this this, as I said, it can be a catalyst for a bad event economically, but it's not necessarily the catalyst that is at fault. Than, kind of like the subprime mortgage crisis in 2008 was not by itself the problem but but more more of a symptom of bigger things and should by itself not be such a huge huge deal Hmm. if it ends up being a huge deal then other things have gone wrong before that that should have been addressed
0: okay okay having talked a little bit about the media danger for the economy and of course uh, within the context of the two narratives um so what's what's the aftermath going to be what are we looking at when it comes to financial grassroots side of things um essentially what we wanted to focus on the bottom-up approach
1: so i think there's a There's a few things, a few threats. So for one thing, the GME story is actually still going on. Uh, There was a second wave just the last two weeks, and the price, but essentially the price went down to something like forty-five dollars. So quite, quite, quite a bit lower from the all-time high. But uh, in recent days, it picked up again, and it went up to. I think right now it stands around something like two hundred and ten dollars, which which is still amazingly expensive for a stock like that. So who's
0: who's uh who's driving the price up, who's uh, buying still
1: Wall Street Reddit. Uh still Wall Street bets, the, oh. the subreddit. I mean you can you can go there, you can you can look at their threats, it's really quite interesting. So they still they still think that there is a an over uh, there's too much shorting going on. And they're still trying to exploit the situation. I think they might very well still succeed. So this time it's not just, also the first time around, but this time the the focus is more on not just the short squeeze, but also the gamma squeeze. I won't go into details here. Everyone can look it up. It's it's a bit complicated, but it involves options buying as well. So essentially, if you buy a lot of options um, that gain in value as the price gains in value that's when you also force options traders to buy more of the stock, which in turn accelerates the short squeeze.
0: And just very, so this... sorry, just very quickly, options for everyone. They're, they're not actually uh, the purchase of stock, but just the right to purchase the stock.
1: Exactly. It's the, it's the right, but not the obligation to buy a stock. So you know, if you buy an option, you can exercise it or you cannot exercise it. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. You will exercise it, of course, if, you, if it's financially profitable, essentially.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah so we're not done with that story uh it's then also because a lot of people moved on from robin hood and and went to different platforms and now they might have a longer staying power when it comes to executing a short squeeze so it just went down a bit again the last two days i think but it's still in, in very high territory and the last word yeah has not been spoken regarding this one so we can still see how fina- traditional financial markets will be shaped uh, as, as a grassroots thing, essentially. But also, this will probably not be the last episode. I think there will be more opportunities like that, and probably also more, more exploits of those opportunities by by essentially crowd-funded hedge funds, if you will.
0: And that includes on tap episodes, of course. So go on. Yes. Of
1: course. <laughs> How much GME did you buy? <laughs> yeah, um, but I think there's a deeper, deeper thing here. And I think the whole GME story showed us that decentralization is actually something that is sorely needed because a lot of the the uh, the fishy things that happened that simply could not have happened on a uh, on a blockchain-based type of exchange or, or a stock trading market. So. To explain that a little, um, when you buy a Bitcoin, you actually own the Bitcoin if you have the private key. Now, what people actually do not know about stocks, for example, is that when you buy a stock, you actually do not own. Uh, you don't. You do not own the stock. You. What you're getting is is essentially a IOU from the stockbroker. They, they themselves don't own the stock either, but they also have an IOU with, with another firm, usually something like a clearinghouse and stuff like that. So uh, what happens here is that when you you kind of own the stock, of course, you, at least you own the right to have the stock, but they can, and what they often do is sort of lend the stock away and, and sort of do, do different business with that stock. That could not happen with a Bitcoin, of course, unless you lent it out yourself. So... Yeah, on a blockchain Bitcoin Bitcoin environment, brokerages could not stop you from trading. And also trading does not stop. So there is no halting of trading like happened with GME all the time. And yeah, that just doesn't happen because it doesn't need to happen. Trading runs 24-7. And also settlement happens in minutes and not days. So the problem with the stocks is that a lot of the settlements only occurs two or three days later, which actually can cause a lot of problems when, when a company gets taken over, for example, because you don't really know until two or three days after the fact what actually happened. And it might very well be that a stock you bought, you did, actually did not get because turns out the settlement process figures out that it wasn't possible to buy that stock for some reason.
0: But so is, 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 is it a, a possible to add, uh, and I, I presume this is a rhetorical question, it's possible to add layers of value on Bitcoin just as it is in, in financial markets or stocks, right? So, I mean, you can sell an insurance on a Bitcoin if you'd like to and then resell that insurance, which is essentially how much of the financial system works and why the argument from before on uh, the danger for the economy, because the value is blown out of proportion uh yeah, yeah i mean
1: that's it's that's certainly possible but but there's a but to that mm-hmm. um, as it turns out a lot of these these things are now being being migrated into into the cryptosphere and and then the same rules still apply that there's only that there is self-ownership of, of the things that you're trading and even if it's a derivative then the the rules are pretty clear so because it's run by code and not by institutions so for every for everything that happens, there's a pretty it's already predetermined essentially in, in terms of what possibilities there are. So there is no there is no way for a central institution to intervene and and screw you out of your position unrightly. you know what you're getting into beforehand right. essentially.
0: Very good. Well, at least for me as a Bitcoin owner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So I would say the whole the whole the main main part of this gme story will be that it greatly will contribute to the financial exodus into bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and the decentralized finance markets because it shows showed pretty clearly where the weaknesses of the old legacy system are and you can already see that happening because uh, i mean not least bitcoin was one of the biggest price movements up uh, in the days since since january ended and i think gme and the whole way the financial markets are structured are are playing into that
0: a lot so it's really so, it's really no surprise then when we look at for example the uh, federal treasury kind of taking a step back before even implementing any sort of laws and taxation relevant measures um and trying to see how this plays out rather than banning it etc cetera, etc cetera. this is uh and similar, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, in Romania is also the case, for example. But uh, so the, I, I guess the governments are reacting cautiously uh, and understandably, uh, understandingly into uh, towards Bitcoin and the well, the change towards Bitcoin. Or would you?
1: Yeah, or even if it's not not Bitcoin, then at least a a, a settlement that occurs on a blockchain. I mean, you can also just rethink the whole financial industry on a blockchain as well i mean they could even reinvent themselves that way it's definitely technology they will be looking at i'm pretty sure so either way sort of people are are voting with their feet as we say in German. Not sure if that applies in english as well yeah
0: interesting times absolutely well thanks very much for that joe dear listeners um hope you enjoyed it just as much as we did as always, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for new themes, info at talentplaceconsulting.com. And as mentioned, this is not going to be the only podcast on bottom up disruption slash grassroots and so on and so forth. So, or decentralization, rather uh, to, to apply a more uh, <laughs> professional word than so, on and so forth. <laughs> so, Joe, thanks. Uh, and to the audience, um, thanks to you as well.
1: Yeah, thanks to you. Glenn and the audience as well, and for me, it's uh, what do we always say? (laughs) Stay safe, that's the one.